Welcome to the Sharon Fitzmaurice podcast and today is episode 50, my last one for 2021 and I just want to say I am so grateful as always to all my wonderful guests that have been on this past year and to all of you that have followed, subscribed and listened and shared my podcast. We've had some amazing guests and they have shared their stories of resilience and some have shared their wisdom and experience and knowledge with others so that hopefully it can help you, me, and everyone else that listens also. As part of this celebration of my podcast tonight, some of my past guests and friends of this show have donated wonderful prizes to give away as a celebration of the year that has been and for the coming year. So please stay tuned and find out how you can be in with a chance to win some of these amazing prizes. And I'll be introducing to you three very special guests that are joining me tonight. And I'll tell you a little bit about each of them as I introduce them. But for now, I just want to tell you a little bit about what this podcast is for me. So I sent out my newsletter yesterday and it was called The Heart of Winter. And The Heart of Winter, I asked, what does it mean to you? And for many people, as we know, it may be their cozy home like it is for me by the fire. You've had a very busy year. There's been a lot going on. And sometimes it's just being able to kick off your shoes and come into a place of just relaxing and being yourself and not being on all the time. So I'm a real home bird. Um, I love sitting down by the fire with my family and my dogs and cats around me. I get great comfort from just being in my own space. Not that I don't love going out with my friends and meeting up with people, but I just love this time of the year giving myself space. And so today we're recording on the winter solstice, which is, you know, the shortest hours of daylight. And for many people, we rely on that daylight. We rely on the light. And during this, you know, season, I suppose, of the winter, we get lost a little bit in the darkness, but what it also does, it makes us reflect on, you know, the year that has gone by and the year that is coming. That can be very positive for some people and for others, not so positive. So really in the newsletter, I was talking about being mindful of yourself, the people in your home and also around you, whether that's family or friends or people that you meet on the street, that not everyone is merry and bright, not everybody is celebrating the Christmas, that some people find it extremely hard, so that we are leaning into the light and the light can be the daylight, it can be the light you find in a friend or a family member, but it can also be the light within yourself that this time of darkness gives us time to reflect. I always think about the bears when they hibernate, you know, and they go away for the winter. And sometimes I feel like that bear that I want to hibernate and I want to cuddle up and I want to sleep and rest and not have all the challenges to think about of the year to come or the year that has passed. So for you, think about what does the heart of winter mean to you? Where can you find light in your life? What brings that warmth into your being into where you are today or where you're going and that you don't have to have it all figured out that you don't have to plan and have goals and everything else for the new year just sit back enjoy and just find the warmth wherever you are today and know that you're doing the best that you can that's all of us can do so please don't be hard on yourself be gentle kind and loving with you 
So as I said, we have amazing giveaway prizes, some of them that are a lovely treat, some of them that are going to help small business owners, some that are going to help on a deep subconscious level, some that are going to bring you into free classes or free reflexology sessions. And I am going to start the ball rolling and I am going to give a free one-to-one -one session to one of my listeners and people may say well I'm not based in Galway well that's okay because many of my clients come from further afield and I was telling another client the other day I had a lady from France so she felt like she deserved a session with me and I was honored that she chose me so when you have a session with me I am working on your energy in the present moment and we are finding out what you're holding on to that no longer serves you so we do this through an intuitive-based practice, mindfulness. We also use Reiki energy therapy, clinical hypnotherapy, meditation, sound therapy, whatever it is you need. And again, we will work with the guidance of your soul's energy and that of spirit or the angelic realm or whoever connects to you on a deeper level. So I'm going to be giving a free session away in the new year to one of my lucky listeners. So as I said, stay tuned to be in with a chance and find out how you can win one of these amazing prizes. So to start the ball rolling tonight, I have, as I said, three amazing guests. And I can tell you that I know these are amazing guests because I know them very, very well. And I am so grateful and honored that three of my siblings have um, graced us with their presence tonight. You're going to be hearing from each of them individually. And you'll hear of how gifted and talented each and every one of them are. I'm very proud of each, of each and every one of them. And if you can't promote your own, there's no point promoting. So I think each and every one of them have so many things to offer. So to start off, I'm introducing you to my baby brother. Imagine that, Simon, my baby brother. So Simon Kay is a professional songwriter, music producer, the lead singer in Collective Whisper and the host of the Collective Whisper podcast, where he talks to celebrities, musicians, actors, sports people and interesting people from all over the world. He has 25 years experience as a musician and has played a wide range of musical styles and has composed and produced albums for different artists. He has been teaching guitar for over 18 years with many of his students going on to achieve great things in music. He is from Galway, but now lives in Alicante, Spain with his beautiful wife, Alex, and two kids and another one on the way very shortly. So Simon, you are very welcome. Well, thank you very much. That was a great, a great introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's lovely to have you here. And who would have ever thought when we were small and bold that we'd be introducing ourselves as grown-ups with so many gifts and talents under wow. our belts? Isn't it amazing? Yeah, well, I mean, it's great that we can be together in the first place. That's the first blessing, isn't it? Yeah. That we yeah. are here. Even if it's through technology, the great thing is that we can sit down and talk to each other, you know, at, yeah. and at Christmas time. Absolutely, Simon, you're so right. And one of the things that um, I suppose through the last year that has really taught me is, you know, we can give out about what we don't have. But even when it was my 50th birthday in February, and John organized and Andrea, Andrea's help organized the Zoom and all of you from all over the place were on Zoom. It was still such a celebration and I was so grateful and the fun we had 
And I felt like you were all in the room with me. So there are so many positives to technology and again, how we use it, I suppose, in a positive way, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing, you know, you speak to lots of people, especially middle-aged and older people, and they're like, you know, two years ago, they were kind of, what the hell, technology? They couldn't even find where to charge the computer. Mm. And nowadays, they're able to go in through all the menus and sub-menus and find, you know, set up Zoom and Teams and all of these things. And, you know, you, you know yourself, everybody knows their mother who's like, what's this button for? And what do you do with that? And mommy, don't go checking the history, you know? <laughs> and um, so the thing is, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I, for younger people, it's an achievement. But I think for the older people, we have to give them a, a clap because they've managed to embrace technology and like be able to exist amongst it, no? Yeah, absolutely, Simon, I think so. So you're using technology quite a lot. And um, for my listeners, if you check out my brother's podcast, Collective Whisper podcast, you can see that Simon is way more advanced than me on mine. (laughs) He has lovely videos and music flowing through it and all of these lovely things. And I'm looking at going, how the hell do you do that? But I don't get bogged down because I'm not very technically technically minded at all. But again, I am grateful that I am able to figure this out and can I I can produce a podcast about sharing stories. And that's something you're doing, Simon, you know, and you have such a variety of guests, you know, they're amazing. And the last one that I got to listen to was Keith Hines, that was a survivor, suicide survivor. From Kevin, the, Kevin Hines. Kevin Hines, sorry, yes. Yeah. And um, that was an amazing interview. And even just his story alone, you know, I remembered that story. And then it was just when the minute I saw it, I go, oh, God, yeah, that guy, what happened to him? And I think it reminded us, you know, that even though it was a very hard story to hear, he survived. But now to hear how far he has come along, that's why I think podcasts and storytelling is so important, isn't it, Simon? Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes the thing about it is when you see all types of guests on TV shows and some stand out as being actors or musicians. But the thing is, they all have deeper stories. And for me, when I bring guests on, I always want their there's a deeper story that I find somewhere else. It's not just because they were on Fair City or Mm -hmm. they were on a movie. It's more there's something, you know, deeper there. Um, But with Kevin Hines, it was a very obvious one because obviously, he, you know, went through that trauma of, you know, trying to take his own life and learned from it, survived, learned from it, and now is helping so many people. So, you know, that, that's the thing. I think in my show, some days you might tune in and there could be somebody you've no interest in. But if you listen a little bit, you'll hear a great story from them. And then other days you might say, oh, this person, now I'm really into that. Mm. So, that's the great thing. What I love about it, about podcasting and talking to people is the fact that everyone has a story, mm-hmm. whether it's the guy down the road who you think has achieved nothing or done nothing. And sometimes they have the greatest story, you know, but that nobody wants to listen to. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, for people like Kevin Hines and the ordinary people down the road with who have a life history, we have to stop and listen. And as you said, the podcasts are amazing now and your podcast as well, like, because it's, it's showing people's resilience. It's showing how people battle through things. And, you know, it's, it's kind of showing, I always say, you know, you have to have, if you have light, you have to have darkness and you learn from each one. So 
I think in in those um, in the podcasts that are all over, you know, they are showing that they're showing people's vulnerable sides, their flaws, their down days, their up days and their talents, which is really great. Mm, absolutely. And I think, you know what? It's this and the podcasts are telling the story that maybe social media doesn't sometimes because social media just portrays this image of perfection or trying to be perfect. And the podcast, as you said, you know, again, it's like sitting down in a pub or a cafe with a person and really listening to their story. And that's one of the things that I suppose I love storytelling. I love listening to people, you know, and being interested in other people's and how they came to be where they are and where they're going, you know, because we've always something to learn from them. And in talking about that, Simon, I still tell the story to many people how my younger brother, you know, was going to school and that he begged my mother to let him leave school at an early age. And when she did, I was absolutely ripping mad. I thought, how come he's allowed to leave school and I'm not? I always think about it, you know. But if you want to tell people what you went on to do, and you know, why at that young age did you make that decision or felt you needed to make that decision, but how it kind of brought you on a different trajectory in your life? Yeah, well, I'm one of these kind of people that, you know, I realize it more now in my later 40s that I'm very ambitious and I'm very driven. And, and for me, success is not necessarily being successful Mm -hmm. success is trying something you know uh, figuring it out learning it and being able to overcome that hurdle that some people say oh that takes too long or whatever so for me I I love the challenge of something and I get really into it then Um, and I remember when I was at school I was a messer you know and you know always looking for laughs and I wasn't a, a class clown, but I just loved having fun. I, and I think at that early stage, I loved socializing with people. I loved, you know, expressing myself. And so I, I kind of had an interest in working with wood and doing woodwork at school. So I got an opportunity to become a carpenter, an apprentice carpenter. And I went on and trained at that and did that for a few years. Uh, like, And then I kind of stopped and I, I worked as a security guard and I dipped in and out of job. But then I went back to the carpentry and I've, I've been doing the carpentry ever since on and off. You know, I mightn't do it for months, but then sometimes I might get a job from someone. So but then I, I think it was like 2003. I, I, you know, I had started playing music maybe 10 years before in, in, in 1992 or whatever. And at that stage, you know, I was like nearly 20. And, you know, again, it was like later in life, but I said, okay, well, I want to do this. And so I just started doing it, teaching myself. And then one thing after another, started busking. And then that led on to playing in bands and stuff. So it was always these little steps, this evolution, you know. Mm. And then I thought, okay, well, I think I want to teach people. I think I want to interact with kids and adults and show them whatever I've learned so far, you know, and I realized you don't have to be uh, a maestro or a virtual technician on the guitar. You can start at a, a level that suits you and teach. And then that improves you. So hand in hand, then with my, you know, gigging experience, I started teaching and uh, I, you know, I did that for over 10 years in Ireland. And then we moved to Spain and I still do teaching here, but not as much as I did mm. in Ireland, but um, now I teach more English. So it's a mixture of music and English. Mm. 
but now and you know and now i've moved kind of into the podcasting and, and who knows where it's going to take me you know like, much like yourself you you don't know mm-hmm. i think during the um, the lockdown everybody tried new things and for me it wasn't so much i didn't try it because of the lockdown I, I used to be doing classes and people said to me, you should do like a YouTube channel or something like this because the classes are really interesting. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't know. It didn't feel right. But then one day I just thought, OK, maybe I could do a podcast. But what about what like comedy? I don't know. What what am I going to talk about? So it was just a case of, well, hold on. You know, I play music and there are other interesting musicians. And and then, you know, one thing after another, it just kind of started growing. And and like now we're in season two. And as you said, you know, if some had some amazing guests and continue to get them and and it's great. And and uh, so for me, I'm just I, I'm I'm driven like that. And who knows what I'll be doing next? I don't know. <laughs> mm, I love that. And that's something I think, you know, that is, you just said it there, it's all the little steps, you know, that's a natural evolution. And for many people, you know, that I see, they want to have it figured out, you know, by 22 or 23, and they think they should know what they'll do. And I always laugh and I'll say that we're always growing and learning. And when we do one thing, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's just something we like doing, that it lead to our next thing. And, you know, by the age of 40 and 50, we're still learning and growing. I always laugh and say, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up, because I think, you know, until our last breath, we can do anything we want to do. And again, I'm always talking about mommy going back to college at 58 and how, you know, we were all talking about it the other night and how she probably seemed like this dinosaur compared to the 17 year olds going into college and looking at this lady going, oh, why is she here? But why not? And I think that has kind of changed in the last few years that we're more accepting of, you know, going out to do new things as we get older and feeling a little bit more braver and a bit more adventurous. So you have a new Baba on the way, Simon, which is the biggest adventure of all time. Yeah, well, you know, we're we're 10 days out. You know, it's like the Houston rocket launch or something. SpaceX, it's a. we're 10 days out today. Today is the 21st. So um, on the 31st is due. And sorry, just while I'm on the 21st, because obviously it's the winter solstice, mm. I'm an hour ahead of you. So in exactly, we were counting it today, in exactly one hour and two hours for you guys, we'll have the 621s, you know? The six. Oh, that's right. Yes. We'll have the 21 seconds, 21 minutes, 21 hours. 21 days 21st century it's going to be amazing never going to happen for that number so you know it's it's this is a a day of faith and destiny and and who knows maybe baby will come on the six the 621s wow my god simon you know what i never thought about that and now it's kind of like what are the four of us here that is amazing isn't it yeah wow And, and also alex My wife pointed out something. She said, you know, your mother has 21 grandchildren and Kai, which is the new baby's name, will be 22. And if he's born in 2022, it'll be really, it's like a silly coincidence, but funny, you know. But it's not, again, if we look at numerology, for those that are into numerology, and I was saying that even to Andrea, you know, that, um, what did I say to you? The two, two, oh yeah, 2022, that will be six, the number of her house. So we can find... Man, I didn't give your whole address, Nandri, you're all right, but <laughs> we won't do that on, on air. But the thing is, yet, if we look into sometimes numbers and their meaning and what they mean for us, 
it can be really positive. So yeah, that's that's even exciting now, Simon. I'm thinking about that. So Simon, if you had to say what the heart of winter is for you, what would it be? Well, it's funny. Uh, winter isn't my favorite season. Well, like my favorite season is autumn, but I think winter for me is, you know, it's one of these things that it's it's a time, obviously, because of weather and because of conditions that it brings families closer together. Now, things are a little different because we've all been locked down with each other and, you know, pecking at each other in different ways and very close. So families have grown together over the last two years. But I think winter in, in its normal existence, winter is one of these times when, you know, we look forward to Christmas and, and you know, family gatherings and getting together and it's just and those, you know, like I always said to people in Spain, you know, all oh, the Spanish beaches are lovely, but there's nothing more beautiful than walking on an Irish beach in the winter with a big jacket on and maybe slight rain and the waves battering and it's really wild. Mm. For me, that's like a beautiful beach, you know, and mm. um, so you get that obviously more in winter. But for me, the heart of winter is that kind of I think it's more family and Christmas and just, you know, protecting ourselves against the elements. Now everything is getting crazier, the weather every year. So now the winters will be more, you know, brutal mm. and we will have to have more shelter and protection. And I think that's kind of like what we do with our families as well. You know, we we shelter and protect each other. Mm. But obviously in those moments we're together, we we embrace more and we we love each other more, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful, Simon. And again, as I said, you know, we come to know what we know, but what we don't know and when we're away from it, we do miss it, you know, so absolutely. And I think, you know, many people would say, wouldn't it be lovely to be in Spain for Christmas and have some warmth and, you know, that the beaches, you know, the white sandy beaches and all of those things. But again, when you're away from home, it's the little things you miss, isn't it? And I know and I've asked Simon to do something very special as I have with each of my siblings tonight and it's to recite or to sing a song that they have written themselves or something that they feel is about Christmas time and this song that Simon is going to sing now in a moment is very special for all of us as you know I talk quite openly all the time and our sister Bonnie passed away in 1998 which I always say she was like the angel in the corner of our sitting room. And she always was the light in the darkness. And I know that we often think about her, but Simon wrote this beautiful song and it just, I remember the first time I heard him sing it and it just made me, you know, have this wonderful feeling. And I'm going to let you listen to Simon and to the words of it yourself. And, you know, you may think of a person in your life that was the light in your life. And that even though that person may be not physically here now, that there's still a light in your heart and that their memory does live on. And again, I know at times like this coming up to Christmas, if you do celebrate it, it's a time when we do miss those people. But again, I genuinely believe they're very much with us in spirit and that their love lives on within our hearts and within our memories. So I'm going to let Simon take it away now and share his beautiful song, Angel. Thank you, Simon. Okay, Sharon. So just a forward into the song because 
This is a song, obviously, it was written in 1998. It's never been released, you know. It's one of these songs that I always put off releasing, I think, because it's so personal. And But I think I've, I, I had told myself, I'm releasing new material soon, and I said to myself, now is the time to do it. So you could see this out there pretty soon, hopefully, you know. So this is Angel. It's going to be called Angel B for Angel Bonnie. Here we go. Sorry, let me start again. I'm a bit nervous. Okay. That's okay. The day has come when the sun will follow you always. Starlit skies, see you fly. Now you are free. I feel at ease. Now you're at peace. I hope you are happy. Still, I cry for my child. I will always I'll hold you now I feel somehow Some of your pain And through this night I see your light You're with me again And in my dreams Again, 
hands like these I'm on my knees I'm praying but I don't know who I'm praying to But you're still here You never leave You're in my heart You're in my blood My everything I hold you now I feel somehow some of your pain and through this night I see your line you're with me again and in my dreams and still it seems you never went away you're here again Simon, absolutely beautiful. Love it, love it. How do you feel when you sing that song now, Simon? Uh, it's it's a very emotional song for me. You know, like if I think about it too much, it kind of it leaves me vulnerable. Because yeah. it, it's funny, actually. A, a few weeks ago, I was working. I'm kind of doing a piano piece for it. You know, and I'm not the best piano player but i'm trying to improve myself and i was I, you know I, I came up with a nice piano stuff not i'm not good enough to play it yet so i didn't but um i was sitting one day kind of just practicing it just doing the thing and i was like you know it just sometimes that the whole like because it's weird for me it's not it's not that the song is just about bonnie it's it's kind of about loss you know it's just like it's about something that kind of overtakes you. Like sometimes, you know, if I sing it and Alex says to me, she says, you don't realize that like song is very powerful. And, mm. and because it's, even if you only half listen to the lyrics, she said, it kind of has that feeling with the melody and the thing. So, and like the weird thing is, you know, that was the first song I ever wrote and I never finished it. I don't know if you noticed that I, I have an extra bit. Yeah, I did notice, yeah. And, and that's only been put in recently. And because it's a song I've always kind of shied away from because I thought, okay, I don't know how to finish this song. And it's funny, I heard, I think it was Sting or someone talking about, you know, a song can take 10 minutes, but it can take like, 10, 20 years too, because sometimes you don't feel like you have the right ending or the right bridge or something's missing. And that was always the case with Angel for me. Some people would say, oh, you, but you should release that. And I'd be like, it was kind of like, I don't know how, because I mean, it, it's just, it's like this kind of um, challenge for me, you know, it's a hard song to sing like emotionally wise, but it wasn't finished. And I just felt like it wasn't the time, but now I feel like it's the time. So yeah, I hope people enjoy it. I mean, it's a, it means something for everybody. And I suppose when you listen to the lyrics, it's a story about not just a mother's loss, but a, a brother's, a sister's, anybody's loss. Mm -hmm. And how, even though somebody can go, 
and you know they're gone and they're not around to hug, you still have remnants of them and mm. bits of them around your house and you can hold on to that and the memories, no? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And I know it's, you know, no more than Caroline's song or things that Andrea does that I do, you know, that we all have. And I think that's, you know, music can do that as well. It can, you know, even if it's not a personal song, but a song you might hear on the radio or something, and it'll bring up emotions for you, you know, joyous ones or sad ones. But music helps us do that, you know, so it's for me, it's a valuable tool. And it's one that I'd use a lot in my classes and workshops and retreats. But yeah, absolutely. Um, every time you sing it, I can feel the emotion in your voice. And that makes me even emotional because, you know, you wrote it from a place of great vulnerability. Well, you know, I, the, the thing is, I'm going to actually tell very quickly. I don't want to be taken away all the time. But I remember the night I wrote that and it was the night I was living in Letterkenny at the time. And we had come down a few times because Bonnie had been very sick. And, you know, she had, you know, fluid in her lungs in the morning and everything. And, you know, we got a couple of false alerts and mm-hmm. it didn't happen. And then I went back to Alec or to, Alec, Alec, to Letterkenny. Mm-hmm. And um, I think then it was, um, you know, we I think I can't remember. Everything's now like a blur. Mm-hmm. But I remember being at home and realizing then she was gone. And I just picked up the guitar and it just kind of poured out of me. And, and you know, I'd written bits of songs and other stuff and melodies and little riffs and vocal riffs and stuff. But this just came out of me. And then for, for as much as I had done, I thought, Jesus, this is like how this this I think the pressure of me, my first song was probably what stopped me releasing it for all these years, because I felt like this is a heavy song. Yeah. But you know what? It, it, I think when people write songs from the heart like that through, you know, great joy or great loss, it's, it rings true for other people, Simon, as well. And I think that's why Angel, you know, is so special, obviously for you. And maybe again, as you said, maybe it is time now to release it. Maybe. Release it. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will. It'll be out coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Simon, thanks so much. We're going to give you a break for a little while and you can check in case baby Kai is coming or not or go to the bathroom, whatever you want to do. And I'm going to be introducing to my next sibling in a moment, Andrea. And um, but in the meantime, I am going to be telling you about a few more of the beautiful giveaway prizes that we have. As I said, there's lots more. I think there might be about 10 or 11. And again, my past guests and some of my friends of the show have donated these, you know, so they haven't just given their time and their stories to share and their expertise. They're now giving away some beautiful prizes. So the first one we have is from Rosie McMahon at the Holistic Health Coach IRE on Instagram. And you may remember Rosie's story. She was on episode 37, Rise and Thrive. And she's a transformational coach. And Rosie shared the story about the loss she faced when her then partner um, died next to her in the bed. And she was left with a young daughter. And not only having to go through loss and grief, but then being a single mother and how it then transformed her life and where it's led her to now is just absolutely amazing. And Rosie is opening up a new, beautiful retreat center, Shannon Estuary Retreat. 
and she's giving away a 50 euro retreat voucher to one of our lucky listeners. So if you want to be in with a chance to win that, listen until the end of the show and I'll tell you how you can do that. So you can find Rosie McMahon at the Holistic Health Coach IRE on Instagram and you can check her story out on episode 37, Rise and Thrive of my podcast. And the next one is from Matt Burke of Magic Minds Podcast. He's a well-being coach and author, meditation teacher. And he was on episode six of my podcast, Never Give Up. He's a beautiful author and poet. And he gifted me one of his beautiful journals, which shares his story. And you can find him at Matt Burke underscore 1976. Now, Matt's a great character. He's from the Liberties, proud Liberties man. And he's going to share with you a coaching session or meditation or mindfulness, whatever it is you need. Or he said, alternatively, he'll share daddy dancing skills with one of you. So I love Matt's sense of humor, but he comes from a place of being so real and so true. So at Matt Burke underscore 1976. And the third one for this segment is at Marion Trench. And Marion was in episode 14. My breakdown was my breakthrough. She's a holistic energy therapist based in County Roscommon. But her gift is a Healy scan reading and also balancing of the energies. Now, this can be done distantly or in person. So if you feel like you can take a visit down to Roscommon to visit Marion, she will do it for you there and explain it all. But if you don't live in Ireland or you live abroad, this can be done distantly. And you can check out Marion Trench on Instagram and she will explain it if you win it. So again, as I said, stay tuned until the end of the podcast to find out how you can win one of these three or the rest of the amazing prizes that we'll be giving away from this show. So my next guest tonight then is my beautiful baby sister. I love saying that you're all my baby <laughs> sisters, is Andrea Kelly. So Andrea is an award-winning actress for her work in film. She has worked extensively in theatre, TV and film. She is currently working on a devised theatre project in Wicklow called Glen Malura Reimagining Sings Wicklow. She is also undertaking an artist in the community at Ratgall Hillfort, the Ring of the Ra, close to her ancestral roots. Andrea has won awards and nominations for her screenwriting and hopes to write and direct her own films. You can catch her as the voice of the Queen Mother in Royals <laughs> Next Door Animation, which sired on RT2 and is available now on RT Player. Jack of all trades, wearer of many hats, Andrea juggles being a mom to Rowan and Shenna and forging ahead in her career. And her motto is never say never, anything is possible. <laughs> Woo! So, Andrea, you're very welcome. <laughs> How are you? I'm good now. <laughs> thank you. So as I said, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? When you're introducing someone, you know, and that's the quite powerful thing. I think even just doing a bio for ourselves, we look at and it's one of the hardest things we can do. But we actually look at our achievements because sometimes we can feel like, God, we're not really getting anywhere. Where have we got to or not got to? But when I read each of your bios, I'm so proud of each and every one of you and all that you have achieved. So, Andrea, mm -hmm. you are here all the way from Wicklow and you were living in London 
you know, but let's go back. So again, as I said to Simon, he started off wanting to leave school and pursue, you know, his creative skills in carpentry and developing on the music and so on. So tell us about you leaving school and what direction you wanted to go. Was acting always in your blood or do you think it was a need to perform or what brought you in? Tell people where you started from. Um, I don't know if I always wanted to be an actor. I'm not one of those actors who say I wanted to do since I was a child, but I always quite enjoyed, I think, more directing. I like telling other people where, you know, their parts and telling them the story and that how it was going to play out, you know, so I kind of write the script and direct it. Um, and perform yeah so I did everything <laughs> um, but um, no I think yeah I, I was I always knew I was going to do something in the creative arts so I mean I, I did art from first year and then I kind of didn't really study in my leaving cert and I was working in Duns so I knew coming to make my choices for leaving cert it was either arts or art and I knew I hadn't studied enough to get arts in yeah UCG so I was like I knew kind of that it would be art so I ended up doing art in college for two years, sculpture, um, which I'd always look back and think I wish I'd done painting because I quite am much more interested in colour. And I think I would have been a very good painter. And sculpture was very conceptual because I was only 17 and I hadn't a clue. And I, my lecturer used to say, Kelly, because he said, you're like smoke because he'd come into the studio and I'd be gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, because I never I could never kind of. You know, I didn't have the things to show them that other people had because I, I couldn't ground myself. It was all very abstract, conceptual. Mm. Um, so anyway, but in that, I started getting into performance art, I remember, and I started kind of being interested in using myself, even though I didn't know much about performance art. I think Alana Kelly was a woman, a performance artist, but I didn't know what it was. And then it was Mercedes, who was a friend of Caroline's, actually said, oh, they're doing auditions at Galway Youth Theatre. And she said, I think you should go for it. And I was like, really, should I? And I went and auditioned for Goa Youth Theatre and I got in and that was kind of like a pivotal point. So I was still in art college and in art college, I passed second year, it was a three-year diploma. And at the time they said to me, I, I was doing acting as well with GYT and they kind of said, it's either art or, or theatre. And I was like, I felt the encouragement and I kind of felt I was getting places with theatre as I wasn't with art. But at the time as well, they also recommended the course in Trinity um, to study acting and for me like being that you know girl from Galway from a village didn't know anyone in Dublin thought only doctors go to Trinity yeah. um thought of well, Trinity but I went to back five years later and I did that course in Trinity so it's funny wasn't it it was like you, you know yeah how um, that step you know and even you just said it there Andrea which is lovely the encouragement more for mm -hmm. theatre and performing and you kind of felt that encouragement and I think sometimes that helps isn't it when we're younger that somebody sees a talent within you that they would like you to see developed more and that they can encourage and share when you went to Trinity and I know there was a lot going on within our own personal lives and stuff but for you going to Trinity and meeting all of these because some of them are still your lifelong friends I don't know you don't see them all the time but how much of a big change was that for you leaving Galway and going to Dublin and out into the wider world well, no, because I had moved to I moved to um, Edinburgh when I was 21 oh, before that. And I had. Yeah, I think it was for, I didn't have the confidence. I wish I'd had the confidence earlier. I think for me, it was a lack of self-esteem and confidence to move to Dublin and be an actor, you know, and I suppose we didn't have those skills growing up and that they were something that we lacked. And I felt, you know, that was a late developer in terms of that. So I look back and go, oh, if I was more confident when I was a child, all the things I could have achieved, you know, and and. Um, 
but the thing is that yeah going to Trinity you know, Trinity was great and it was actually for me I suppose I knew I needed to do more with my craft and I think it was about that um, having the chance to study and do movement and voice and not just be an actor for being an actor I wanted to kind of um, study my craft as such you know and and um, but it, no it was amazing yeah, it was amazing but it, it didn't it didn't live up to my expectations I was disappointed at the end of it yeah um, you know, because things are sometimes presented to you. And again, they're learning opportunities. But, you know, you're like that. You're looking for that. Not that it was a quick fix because it was three years, like the year Big Brother aired. We were in a Big Brother situation in drama school, which was very tough. But it was like that. Again, it's that, you know, looking back in hindsight, it's the journey you're on, isn't it? And it's just taking you another step closer to whatever it is you're you're hoping to achieve. <laughs> At yeah. this stage, I don't know anymore. You know, there's like <laughs> lots of signposts. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's the one thing I think, you know, so you might be able to clarify, but it's the same with any career, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people just see actors on screen and they think they just turn up, read off the lines and that's it. But the road to acting can be very hard <laughs> and very extreme. And I know from all the things that you've done, because you've done so much and you're probably one of the hardest working people at putting yourself out there, maybe not always getting the spot, but you still never give up trying. But I know recently you've really taken to screenwriting, you know, and you're involved in so many beautiful projects. But the screenwriting, I think, for you is now something it's nearly like I see your energy kind of um, kind of shining a little bit brighter with it. Yeah, well, I suppose it's funny, actually, because I, I went to a lady a while back and she kind of said that you're out of alignment. And I could always feel that I've always written like I've written since I was young. I used to write my dreams down like in my teenage years. And I have some mad abstract dreams, you know, um, like and, and I used to always write stuff and write songs and things. And over the years, I've always written and I've, then I've tried to write for theatre. But because I'm quite abstract and I'm quite visual, it's very hard sometimes to articulate that for other people because I find other people are very literal and they want you to tell them what it is. And you're like, I don't know what it is. It's to me, it's more a feeling. It's like as an actor, it's 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 performing an emotion. And I trust fully, completely trust in myself that 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 emotion will fall onto the audience and affect them in exactly the way I want them to or the way I hope or the way that's right for them at that time. So there's a lot of risk and a lot of trust. But I find people don't have that. And I, I have a kind of a sense in myself that I, I'm very instinctive and I trust my own judgment on certain things. So the writing was kind of, I really had to come to a place where everything, came. it's like when Simon was saying, um, right, you know, I had loads of stuff there. And I think the first script I wrote, which is a very personal piece about, I'm in there myself, my own teenage life, and then a fictional character. But I had written that already in different guises. But it, when it all came together one day, I was like, that's it, you know? Wow. And I sent it to a director friend and she was like, wow, that's really well realized. But I knew myself, I'm at a stage in my career and in my craft, I can judge if something's good or bad, you know, in terms of scripts or plays or whatever. Mm. So, yeah, it was nice actually to look at my own work and not be critical of it, you know, because I am quite, I have quite high standards. Mm. And so to be able to kind of go, no, this is good, actually, you know. And <laughs> Yeah, well done you. And again, do you think that comes with experience and that trusting yourself, no matter what it is, you know, that we do in our lives? And what I feel is, because I keep saying it, I'm 50 now, I shouldn't be telling me age, but you all know it now <laughs> anyway. 
But I always say kind of the older we get, the more we trust in what we want to do and following our heart and following that instinct or that intuitive feeling we have inside and putting it out there. And I think since you've started doing that a little bit more, you've won loads of awards, haven't you? You've been nominated for loads yeah, of awards. Yeah, but I suppose it's like if things are meant to go well for you. I mean, I've been acting for 20 years, you know, and I've done some great work. And sometimes, you know, it's not that you don't get the credit you deserve for what you do. I think it's that energy you put into stuff that you'd like to kind of the recognition, you know, for because you do work hard and, and you strive and, you know, but again, there's a lot of luck. But I think that thing of like trust, I actually always believed in myself as an actor. I never doubted one moment from the first time I started doing it. I always knew what I could do. So I, that's never changed for me, really, that sense of self in terms of being a performer that sense of self is different in my personal self. I don't have, I've, you know, I have a stronger belief as an actor as I would have in my own self. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everything has changed. For me, it's been like, that's I said, it's the challenges I face. And, you know, again, and all these questions you go, well, did I create that myself or is that just there? And it's very hard sometimes like as an actor and as anyone, actually I'm finding now even trying to make films, it's actually tougher <laughs> in, in, than being an actor. Um, it's just that thing of constantly having to find different ways. And I'm quite, you know, I'm quite flexible and versatile because being an actor is a lifestyle choice. You know, it, it comes with very rocky terrain and your life will not pan out the way you expect it to. And you won't have security and you won't have stability. But, you know, you could be lucky in certain ways. Yeah. So you really have to. I'm the mountain goat, the Capricorn, yeah. you know, yeah. clinging to the edge for dear life. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's, I always remember you saying, I don't, it wasn't that many years ago, but you kind of said, God, you know, I wish one of you tell me just to give up this acting lark. And I remember looking at you and going, but you want somebody else. Like we all do people, you know, say, well, should I give it up and do something else? But you always had a passion for it. And as you said, you always believed in your acting self, you know, whether you mightn't have believed in yourself personally. It's something that you were very driven in always pursuing. I think those, again, it's greater than that. I was thinking of that earlier because I was kind of not preempting what you were going to ask, but I was going through stuff in my own head. Um, it's, it's not even that vocational thing. Or maybe it is a bit or that sense of purpose because I'm not just an actor and I know that mm. myself. I've always classed myself as an artist, but other people put you into a box mm. and then you end up putting yourself in a box and then you have to climb your way out of that box, mm. you know, and you're... But the thing is, um, I would consider myself actually able to do a lot of different things creatively and, uh, you know, it's... It, but sometimes, you know, people just want you to be one thing or they want mm. you... Um, but I think it's that, I don't know, I'm, I'm very curious. I'm, I'm, you know, I'll never stop being curious. Like, and that, when I look at life and I look at even children nowadays, like, I, I think, where's the curiosity gone? Because that's for me, is kind of like, if, if, if people don't stay open and curious to life, then everything is very dull. And we know that things can get very dull if you don't have a kind of a spark or an imagination, you know? Yeah. So I think as actors, just going to that, the whole kind of trajectory in our whole career, Actors are fun people to be around, you know, sometimes maybe a bit annoying in certain capacities, but but there's an openness and a curiosity that sometimes you don't find in other um, industries or, you know, other spheres. So I think it's that sense of play and, and that kind of that can stop you going insane in life, basically, you know, if you kind yeah. of Absolutely. bring it out at times. Mm. Absolutely. And talking of children, you have two beautiful children, Shenna and Rohan 
who um, Shanna I know for a fact is so curious, she's probably the most curious child of the whole world I've ever met. <laughs> and again, as they're changing and growing as well, you're changing mm. and growing. I always say that we change because we have so many demands when they're younger and time is changing for you now, even as they're growing older. What has been the biggest lesson um, being a mom, Andrea, for you, I suppose, and having a career? Because I know men, you know, and I'm not, you know, being sexist here, but again, I know there's many women that I work with and especially in hard careers like being an artist and, you know, being away from home and all of those different things, going for auditions, you know, writing time, getting space, headspace to do that and having children and finding a balance in it. What is the, I suppose, the hardest thing or the toughest challenge or the biggest lesson you've learned in being a mom and an artist? Um, I think it's just to con- keep going. Don't give up at the first hurdle because obviously everyone knows, you know, I have friends who've now become parents. Like it's the most biggest life-changing event. Well, it was for me anyway. And, and maybe it's that thing of like standing still or being anchored because I was a person that kind of likes to just be free. And then all of a sudden you're like, I can't do anything now because, but you can do stuff, you know, and I look back, actually, I've achieved an awful lot with so many challenges, whether it was where I lived or kind of not living around family, like I've achieved an awful lot. So again, and and I don't just, I don't think just because I'm a mother, it's again, like saying, well, I'm a woman in her forties. That doesn't mean, you know, Mm. I can be, I can still go to Hollywood and become a famous actress. So it's that thing is setting limits for yourself. So I think you know, you, you learn to juggle, isn't that? That's why I said you're yeah. like a master juggle. And and you kind of compartmentalize mm. maybe those parts of your life. And then you just, yeah, it, I suppose it feeds into your creativity as well, obviously. Yeah. You know, as they say, most artists, the more ex- interesting, exciting artists are people who do lots of different things. You yeah. know, if you'd only one facet to your personality, you'd be pretty bland and boring as a, yeah. you know, as a creative. So your kids throw in a little bit of, you know... <laughs> A little bit of a cocktail, a little bit of vodka, (laughs) fireworks. (laughs) Oh, lots of fireworks. I love that. And I think it's so important, again, even just to, I think, repeat that, you know, that just because um, you're becoming a parent, and I know there's many new parents out there and they're a little bit nervous or fearful about what the future is. And I know it can be daunting and you're thinking, am I ever going to get a day to myself or will my life ever be the same? It won't ever be the same, no. But you will find, and as Andrea said, you will create ways to still be yourself as an individual. But now it is this beautiful little soul that's coming into your life that's adding another dimension that can help with your creativity. And I love that. It's, again, the way we look at things, Andrea, Mm. isn't it? Yeah. So if we had to talk, sorry, Andrea, go on. No, no, go on. You're fine. It's fine. But if we wanted to talk about what the heart of winter means for you, what do you feel? It's funny, actually, because I was I like that. I'm a very reflective person. I reflect very much on things. And like that for me, I was kind of thinking like when you said the heart of or I was thinking in my head, the heart of Christmas is funny because I was going, well, Christmas doesn't really mean anything because Christmas sometimes in a way is synthetic or kind of created. Um, the heart of winter, winter resonates more because I'm slightly I get slightly anxious when the dark comes. Um, I'm claustrophobic, so I don't know if that's anything to do, but I do get anxious when the light goes. And because I, I even feel it myself, kind of, that's probably where I become more vulnerable and more sensitive to, to external forces. And I think it's that period where you're kind of, it's obviously the richest and deepest part of your life, like you were talking about, like the bear mm. hibernating, because we're kind of going inside ourselves mm. to look at ourselves. 
and then to kind of not not you know it's this whole thing of new year's resolutions you can't do a quick fix again and create a new version of yourself for the next year which sometimes you want to you know it's like even i had a thing recently and i start going is it me though you know i'm taking it personal like is it is it there's something about me that they don't doesn't work for them or um and obviously it's not but it's again sometimes it's no harm reflecting on yourself and how others see you or how you perceive them to see you or mm. um and but i think yes yeah, it's that thing so the heart of winter obviously is the kind of closing in of the year um, the reflecting on what's come before um, the light chasing that light because again something for me which is really kind of um, relevant is about optimism I mean mm. I, I'm very optimistic I can be a bit of a realist and a bit of a pessimist but I'm very optimistic because for me without hope or without optimism or without something to look forward to I, you know I, there'd be no point that's the way I would think mm. so it's always having that glimmer of hope and light, you know, that the light will appear and stuff. And I think it's very important to keep that. And again, maybe that goes back to yourself as all that curiosity and that openness and that kind of like that. There's always a better tomorrow. There's always something. Um, there's always, and there is always something around the corner. Sometimes it's bad, <laughs> but usually there is always something, isn't there? It's like even when you're broke or you've no money and mm. something always comes or yeah. something always. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think that's a lovely way to look at it. And again, even that, you know, as you're talking there about the searching of the light, because I know that you value the light so much and you spend a lot of time as like we do in nature and that the darkness sometimes feels like it's closing in in you. And I know there's a lot of people that feel that, especially at this time of year. But again, um, like Andrea said there, it's, you know, finding a light, whatever that light may be for you, whether it is, you know, in solitude and reading a book or getting lost in a good movie or a documentary or listening to your favorite music or connecting with a friend or family member, that can be your life, you know, so it can be different for all of us. And again, I always look at it as this light. If I can find that spark of light within myself and I keep focusing on it, I can make it brighter and brighter and brighter. But when I'm focusing on the darkness outside, it's very hard for me to focus on the light. So, you know, as Andrea said, we search for the light, but search from it with inside. And I love the fact that you said it's a kind of reflection on the year gone by and looking at the best of it and the not so best, but that what we learn from the not so best. And we may learn something about ourselves, but again, not to judge and criticize ourselves because, you know, we can do that for the rest of his life and it won't help us but maybe reflect on the best qualities of yourself and what you want to bring forward into the new year, not creating a new version, as Andrea said, because you're already fabulous the way you mm. are. <laughs> Isn't that it, Andrea? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I suppose it is. There's things about ourselves, you know, we are like, well, I wish I was that. And I wish. And again, it's the acceptance and it's the, I don't know. You see, it's, it's hard. I suppose like to say, I am quite a reflective person and I would think a lot about stuff, but I'm thinking of it from a kind of a point of view of a curiosity, you know, or someone who's examining. I examine things. I examine kind of how I look at the world or how other people look at the world. And sometimes I don't understand how they see the world because they don't see it the way I see it, yeah. you know. And it's so, again, but like it is, yes, I think I just read like myself thinking there actually like winter for me probably is a very individual time, even though I have family and it's about Christmas and joyous times. But I don't think for me that focus is at a different time, maybe with the light, yeah. you know, yeah. um, 
And, and actually, sorry, Sharon, because there was something I was thinking about actually in the car. It was that thing of, I was thinking back to our ancestors. They didn't have the synthetic lights or they didn't have the electricity we have. So if I met you in the dark somewhere, I wouldn't really see you because um, you're not illuminated. So I kind of took you on face value. And again, there's something to me, that thing about judgment. You know, sometimes when we see too much of people or we can um, judge them or we can kind of... Um, they're illuminated in the wrong way. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. So I was just, I was thinking of that actually with, with the past. Yeah. People, yeah. you, you know, you didn't really see people like, or even people didn't have mirrors in their house or they'd look at a mirror with candlelight. You know, we never, now we're constantly examining ourselves, aren't we? Our facade yeah. instead of looking within. Or even just the thing is, you know, and you've just said it there a few minutes ago, you know, when you met somebody and it could have been in the dark that they had to listen more than see so they listened intently and again, they had stories around the fire and they listened to those stories and all the things, you know, the old stories. And it was a great way how they remember things and tales that were told. And I think, again, our, our culture has become too quick and everyone's moving so fast and we're not listening to each other and really seeing the person you know in a very different light not just in the light or the facade of those you know false well it lights. is isn't it because i i sometimes feel myself like if you think of your person as your soul inside you know i often even i hear words come out of my mouth and i've said something and then i'm like oh that person now thinks that i think that when i don't you know i've just said it in haste and now they think that i think that about myself because that's what i said i think everything that's outside ourselves is not really us I always think I always kind of go, that's it's not us at all. Mm. You know, if we could find a little inner version of ourselves, but we're nothing. I think we're very different than, you know, obviously our environment shapes us, our family mm. shapes us, all these things. But I think we're very different inside than we are outside. And I'm yeah. like that again, it's an abstract. I'm I'm fascinated kind of by yeah. um that we don't always see people's true selves. And that's a shame, isn't it? Because yeah. um that's people are read each other wrong I think that's it you know and people don't get a chance for that reason so I think it's mm. it's to, yeah. to maybe be less judgmental and give other people a chance as you say you know yeah I think I said it to a client today as well it's like and I've said it on with groups and even with as we'll be talking to Caroline in a few minutes about groups it's again we see the world as we see ourselves sometime our own through our own perception of our own beliefs and conditioning so yeah that huge thing about judgment is important I'd say you know never judge you know that old saying what is it never judge a book by its cover it's you know open the pages read a little bit you know and reflect on that first because not everything is as it seems you know so yeah very powerful Andrea um I'm very proud of you as I am Simon and Caroline coming on in a moment and I think you're all amazing and you're going to recite a little poem about the winter solstice Andrea. Yeah I was looking for some poems and there was nothing I couldn't there was something in my head but I couldn't find it but then I saw this it's called The Shortest Day by Susan Cooper and I thought it's about the solstice so. Lovely. And so the shortest day came and the year died and everywhere down the centuries of the snow white world came people singing, dancing, to drive the dark away. They lighted candles in the winter trees. They hung their homes with evergreen. They burned beseeching fires all night long to keep the year alive. And when the new year's sunshine blazed awake, they shouted, reveling. Through all the frosty ages, you can hear them echoing behind us. Listen. 
all the long echoes sing the same delight. This shortest day, as promise wakens in the sleeping land, they carol, feast, give thanks, and dearly love their friends and hope for peace. And now, so do we, here, now, this year and every year. Welcome, Yule. Oh, well done, Andrea. Nice. Beautiful. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. And you know what it made me think of is, again, it's how our ancestors celebrated the solstice, you know, and what their world was like and how ours has evolved, but changed dramatically. And you said it there, Andrea, like the falseness that we all have. Like I was thinking about that today. When did Christmas lights become a thing? You know, what did they do years ago? I, you know, I wasn't sure, but I was kind of thinking about now we're trying to bring in so much light, even though it's false light, we're trying to bring in as much light as possible. And that the darkness, even though it's only for a short time, it really is in the winter, isn't it? It's only a short time, but we have to find a balance within that for ourselves. But that how our ancestors celebrated all of those seasons as they were. So yeah. beautiful, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And I, I think I think people are getting more back to that. Like when you talk to Carolyn as well, obviously working in the woods and the forest. And 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 again, even the project I'm working on about the theatre, like we're talking about that disconnect with nature, even though we are part of nature and we're part of the earth, there's such a disconnect. And again, it's a, it's that lack of trust, isn't it? There's a tr- we don't trust the earth beneath our feet. You know, we don't trust in our kind of surroundings or our environment or our landscape. Um, there, there is a disconnect. And as you say, I think it is a lot of the time I've been thinking about this. Lately, I was going, you know, not the Internet as such, maybe, but social media has kind of taken us all away from um, it's it's as you say it's quick in the pace so much that we're kind of like like that when it, the dark comes in you're going you're rattling around kind of not you know looking for the candles or something you know yeah um <laughs> like you've forgotten how I think we've forgotten how, how to be I think in a lot of things and I think if we kind of re- remind ourselves of mm-hmm. that but it could be just um, as you say a collective something's happening to our brains collectively I don't know but mm-hmm. um but, you know, that's it. So, yeah. Yeah, well done, Andrea. Thank you so much. You <laughs> Thank can, you. You can stay with us. You can pop off there if you need a yeah. break while I introduce Caroline in a moment. But first, I'm going to give you the next three or four prizes, again, generously donated by past guests and friends. So Suzanne Clark, who was a guest on episode 16, Breathing Life Into Me from Oranmore County Galway, is a well-being coach, yoga and meditation and author. And she's giving one free month's membership on her um, Prioritize Me place um, that she has running. And I know Suzanne is an amazing lady and you can find out more about her on Instagram at Suzanne Joy Clark. And that's, as I said, the one of the next prizes. The next one is Roscam Reflexology, a hand or foot reflexology session with Helen in County Galway on 087-83-1144. And again, listening in to the end of the show and finding out how you can win one of these amazing prizes. And then we have Nora Coyne. And Nora was on episode 12 of my journey to healing on this podcast from Connemara in County Galway. And Nora is a multi-talented lady and also an author. And she's giving away a free tarot card reading, which can be done, can be done distantly or in person. 
And then we have the lovely Karen McCarthy of the Simplified Social Media. And she was on episode 45 about growing your business on social media. And this is especially for small business owners. And she's giving away an Instagram bootcamp will help you to figure out all the ways that you can market your small business through Instagram. And I know I could learn a lot from Karen, but if you want to listen to more of the tips that she gave, listen into episode 45. So that's some of the few more prizes and there's a few more to add. But for now, I want to introduce you to Caroline Stanley, my other baby sister. And Caroline is a musician, singer, songwriter, community development worker and environmentalist. Caroline enjoys working with people and helping our wildlife and protecting habitats. She has spent many years involved in music and over the last 10 years or so has gone locally involved in projects in her community in Duishka and Merlin Woods, volunteering her time in Merlin Woods and the local community garden. Her work is based on creating cultural and nature-based projects with communities through art, drama and music. She also facilitates the Nature for Health project and leads walking tours highlighting the benefits of nature and history to the local community bringing visitors from the USA, Canada and to the area highlighting the benefits of the local woodland to the community surrounding it and also how we can benefit our woodlands in a balanced way without destroying nature in the process. Caroline you're very welcome. Thank you very much Sharon. Lovely. Um, again as I read out your bio you have done so much throughout the years, Caroline, and I know the Nature for Health is your baby. You're the founder and creator of Nature for Health and being supported by Healthy County Galway and Healthy City Galway and all of those lovely people. And sports and, partnership, yeah. Yeah, Galway sports, sports partnership. Um, so, Caroline, going back, because I know it's a huge part of your life now, nature and community and bringing people together, but you starting off, again, another memory I have of you, Caroline, is being asked to sing in her cousin's house and being extremely shy and being, you know, that was our usually sing, get up and sing a song, you know, and you'd be so embarrassed. And I remember you being particularly shy when you were young. So then, and I think you went off to college and you met Tony O'Reilly there when you were in Carlo and then you moved back to Galway. And the next thing we heard you were singing in a pub with musicians. And we were all like, Caroline, Caroline was singing in a pub musicians. And we were even surprised. How did that come about, Caroline? Or where did you get maybe the courage or the confidence to start singing? I don't know. I suppose uh, I always liked singing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I sang into the hairbrush in the bedrooms. Yeah. Lots of singing. And uh, I suppose I went off and I would have sang with friends as well, you know, just in their houses. We would sing together. And then I think I went off to college and I suppose with drink as well, you get brave. So I started singing a few songs and then people would go, oh, you can sing. <laughs> sing as So I just started singing at parties and stuff like that. And then I got invited to join um, Dave and Colin in a, in a session and to go practice. So that was kind of how I got roped into the kind of the band stuff. So, but in order to get over that kind of shyness, I used to drink, you know, have a few drinks to cans and herbs or take away the shyness. But I kind of made a decision earlier on that in order 
I'd either be a singer or an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'm going to have to get out rid of the drink as my crook, as my uh, crutch or whatever mm. you were, yeah. my crutch. Yeah. Um, so I stopped stopped uh, using drink. So I just got over it, mm. got over the sheets and closed my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and opened your mouth. And opened my mouth. Yeah, kept my eyes closed, and that was it. You know, and that was kind of how I did it for a few years. Yeah. And then I always found as well, you know, looking at someone that was smiling up at you, it was always a great way for the nerves as well. Mm. And I found it very easy to sing in front of a thousand people, but very hard to sing in front of 20. <laughs> really? Why was that, do you think? I think it was because more that it was much more, I suppose you're looking, you're looking at people's faces really close, up close. Mm. And sometimes they might be looking like they're cross or... You know what I mean? So they, someone like that looking at you can put you off, you know. Mm. I always think, uh, you know, as a facilitator and that, you should always be smiling up, giving people the thumbs up, you know, making them feel comfortable all the time. Mm. It's important how your reaction is if somebody is trying to fulfil something else, you know, on stage or something. Yeah. So as an audience member, it's always good to make people feel like they're um, deserving of, of your attention. You know, because it's a lot to go on stage and perform, you know, and to break over that shyness, the barrier. It, you know, there's a lot of effort there to get onto a stage. And some people still suffer very badly with shyness, nerves and stuff. And I don't think people realise, you know, that how much they could impact on that. You know, even I think it was the other day, Christy Moore was <laughs> given out, you know, he told people to back off out and go and get their money back because they were talking at a gig, you know. And it is really off-putting and really, and it's really, um, it's kind of, it's disrespectful, you know. You come to see musicians, the least you can do is uh, listen to them and respect them or the same, I suppose, at a show or whatever, you know. I always remember from the crane years ago, you know, people would be singing and uh, that you wouldn't be allowed to talk. You know, and it was a, uh, they, they tell you to shut up. You know, mm. everybody, the audience would tell everyone to stop talking. You know, pubs are notorious for it. Mm. And uh, I did chat to, you know, and I suppose it's only coming from a musician's point of view that I kind of recognise that. But I remember talking to a woman, you know, and I said, you know, if you heard a great band in a, in the corner playing music, would you continue talking? with your friends or would you listen to it and she said oh we'd probably just continue and let the music be the background and I said yeah that's the difference with me is I'd have to stop talking to you to listen to it because I was really enjoying the music and I wouldn't like anyone talking to me they'd be annoying me by talking to me while I'm trying to listen to the music Mm. yeah do you know what I think that's lovely and kind of what I get from Caroline and I think it goes for every everything that everyone does that we need to encourage people more. We need to be an encourager, whether that's in a live audience or it's on social media, because there is enough judges and critics out there, isn't there? And we know that ourselves. So for me, and just what you're saying, saying there is how important it is, like how much work it takes, you know, for, and again, between you, Simon and Rhea, and you're going out there live on stage, you know, and you've crafted so much work into your performance, into your songs, into your music, so much practice, rehearsals, and people don't see that work. 
they just see the singer or the actor on stage or behind a podcast show like Simon. They don't see all the research and work you've done into this and practiced. And that, again, if they have paid money, the least they can do is respect the person that's on the stage and value them and yeah. be an encourager. I love that. And I think that's kind of going to stick with me. And maybe any of the listeners, the next time they are at a live gig or they're just watching anybody doing whatever it is, that they be that encourager, that they smile up from the audience or from wherever they are. I think that's a brilliant tip and one that we can all, you know, learn from, I think. So you got over your shyness and you were singing. So one of the things that you became as well was a young mom, Caroline, a very young mom. Very young mom, yeah. Yeah, and you were, and this is again, I have this vision of you, performing on stage with a heavily pregnant belly and you were given it stick and we were all are terrified that you go into labor <laughs> on the stage but tell us about that again Caroline you know performing and you were in Germany and you were performing gigs you know I remember you traveling in the back of the bus and there were all lads in the band and how even that was tough but being pregnant you know how tough was that Caroline? Uh, well, I suppose I was young, you know, I was whatever I was, 2021. 20, and so I was fit as a fiddle, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you don't feel uh, pregnancy so much. So, you know, I didn't really, it wasn't so bad, I suppose, till the till the very end, really, you know. Mm. I mean, it'd be probably different now if I was 30 or 40. Yeah. It would have been hell, I'd say, you know. But um, uh, it wasn't really until I stopped, you know, I stopped, I think, with Katie the month before she was due. And I found that was the first time I felt really, really pregnant. Mm. <laughs> it was the last month. I was kind of going, I wish I just continued on, you know. So with Hazel, I did it right up till I think I had to, we had to cancel a gig because <laughs> I had to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so I just continued, you know, I just continued on with Hazel and Hazel's birth. Like, and I also think, you know, that, you know, if you can when you're pregnant, keep moving mm. because. You know, I had two fairly easy breath or um, labors. Labors, you know, three hours with Katie and ten minutes with Hazel. Mm. <laughs> ten know. minutes with Hazel. <laughs> Lots know. of mammies would love that. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was okay. There was pain, a little bit of pain beforehand, but the actual labors were like very quick. And I mm. kind of put that down to being mobile. Yeah, you know, and probably being young. and young as well. Yeah. You know, but you know, and there's other other things that can be hard for people but I do think keeping active and mm. keeping moving is a good thing if you can you know it's not yeah. always easy when you're pregnant because all oh, everybody has all, all sorts of I also remember a friend of mine <laughs> and I told her uh, I said don't worry it'll be easy you know <laughs> and she spent about three days in labor or something here's her sister <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and Sharon you were the same as well yeah and uh, she turned around to me and she went, you told me it'd be easy. <laughs> and I think like that sometimes, isn't it? Um, we can't really tell anybody because it's different for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, as you said, that you were young, you were you didn't even take much notice. But as you got older, it probably would have been harder if you were pregnant. Yeah, in your absolutely. Late 30s. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Imagine it, you know, 
eight grains and weight and all that. Yeah. You, know, you go from eight stone to ten and a half stone. Sure, I'm over ten and a half stone now. Like <laughs> I know, isn't it mad? I know with Matthew, when I was pregnant with Matthew, I went from eight stone to eleven stone. And I thought that the minute I had him, I'd go back to eight stone. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't happen. I think it was all the chocolate I ate. But yeah. Caroline, and you were probably older as well, though. So, you know. That's it, exactly. I was. I was nearly 30 by the time I had Matthew. But Caroline, go back to you again, you know, and um, being a young mom and being in the band and traveling all over, you know, do you think youth helped you to deal with all of that? Do you think it would have been harder if you were doing it as a mom and as a, you know, an older woman gigging and traveling all over the place? you know, doing gigs and having to deal with people and all of that. Or how did how, how did you feel or how do you feel now as you look back on it? Well, I thought it was great. And it was a great escape, you know, from being a mom, yeah. <laughs> you know, to get away for a few days a week or whatever. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and feel free, you know, feel, yeah. you know, because somebody else was minding them mm. while we were away. So yeah. it gave you that bit of freedom. So I didn't feel like I'd lost my youth you know mm. whereas some of my friends that might have got pregnant at the same age sorry the dog's scratching here That's right. some of my friends at the same age might have felt a bit more trapped do you know yeah. what I mean mm. um, so I just kept going with what I was doing mm. you know I remember there was talk of me leaving the band and stuff like that but I was like not a chance <laughs> you know I'm only just getting started yes absolutely yeah, yeah and that's yeah. lovely and I think everybody is again you know, I often talk about having your own outlet, you know, having your own outlet for you and keeping up what's right and feels right for you, no more than Andrea and Simon and doing what you love. Did you find it like when did you kind of decide that you would stop touring as much and you would kind of take a back seat to the big gigs and traveling all over the world? Well, I think it was more to do with uh, just kind of the band had run its time. So we decided to stop. And it was kind of nice then as well, because we got to spend time with the girls, you know, yeah. and do normal things. You know, we hadn't gone out on weekends. You know, we never had any weekends. We couldn't we couldn't go to a lot of different events that were on because we were always playing, you know. So we missed out on a lot as well. Yeah. So, you know, so that's the other thing when you're doing gigs like that. Sometimes you miss out, you yeah. know, and you'd like to be, and you also feel like you're missing out on things in life. So, yeah. you know, the people that are watching, you think you're having a great life. And then you're mm. going, I'd love to be there with all ye, you know. Mm. You'd come back and they'd be telling you about the great weekend, you know, their friends. So, yeah, you know, so, so it's, there's a balance, you know, there's a balance in everything. You know, you, you like the social life, you like to be with your friends, family, whatever. But uh, you, there is a balance. Yeah. And that's, again, I think something we're hearing throughout, isn't it? It's finding a balance between loving what you do. And again, because people see you and sure, we used to think you had a great time. And then you'd say, oh, yeah, try and get off, you know, come from a gig and get in the back of a bus and try and sleep with smelly lads until you have to travel <laughs> to the next place. You know, that's very glamorous. All right. <laughs> yeah, you'd be in the back of a van, you know, it wasn't like you were on tour bus. <laughs> no, no, yeah. <laughs> So again, it's how people see it and they perceive it as this very glamorous lifestyle. But again, it was hard work and a lot of traveling, wasn't there? It was, and sleeping on floors, you know, it was very rarely hotels and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, those weren't those times in Ireland. Barely a cup of tea or coffee, you know, in some bars that you walked into Ireland, 
Mm. If you went to a place like Germany, you thought you'd died and gone to heaven because they treated you so well. Yeah. You know? Amazing. You had some amazing experiences, Caroline, as well, didn't you, through your music and singing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Really good. Good times, great friends. And we're still friends with some of the people over in Germany. And we still continue to go back there, you know, to yeah. play music every now and again, mm-hmm. to meet up with them all. And 25, 30 people will all travel over to Germany probably again in October, you know, yeah. to see them again. So. That's brilliant. Amazing, yeah. isn't it? It's all the connections you make through those experiences as well. Yeah. So then we'll move up a little bit more to the future. And you're very much involved in Merlin Woods, in the community. And I know the area that you live in is multicultural and there is a huge amount of diversity. And I know yourself and Colin take um, great joy in bringing people together within the community and you organize lots of things but if anybody hasn't heard of Merlin Woods and because I know there's many green spaces and we talk about this quite a lot there's many green spaces in towns and cities that are under threat and it's up to people within the locality within the city within the county to recognize that these spaces are so valuable. Can you tell us, Caroline, why these green spaces are so valuable, especially within cities? Well, if you look at COVID, when COVID hit, you know, people couldn't walk beside each other. You know, if you were to walk down the road, you were told to be two meters apart from each other, yet the footpaths were only 1.8 meters. Mm, (laughs) So you couldn't get on the road to pass somebody out you know and then all of a sudden they closed the woodlands and they were closing beaches and it was just to be honest it was just ridiculous you know the places that you needed to be was outside in nature or in green spaces and you know and I understand that people were afraid or that they didn't know what COVID was but I think now they realize the importance of opening up the woodlands and all those places so that people could um, get out there and utilize them but like if you consider where we are in Dewishka or whatever and Merlin Woods is surrounded by approximately 30,000 people mm. or you know a woodland and then you've got a few pitches and stuff in different areas different housing estates some estates have no green space no gardens you know people saying oh what are they doing out mm-hmm. and you're going because they live in a flat a third floor flat with no garden, no balcony, what would you expect them to do? They need to get outside for some fresh air. You know, people need outside. They needed it, you know. They needed it for their mental health. They needed it to get away from a crying kid or a, or, or a husband they might be arguing with or a mm-hmm. child that was driving them up the wall, you know, or the children needed to be out as well, you know. So you have to have these spaces just for your mental health alone. Yeah. If you were to consider it just for people, the mental health value of it. And we all know people when they go for a walk and if you can get out for a walk on your own, you know, you need your own headspace mm-hmm. and go for a walk. You'll feel much, much better when you come back. You'll be glad you went for a walk, yeah. you know, yeah. but you do need that headspace and you need clean air. And in a city, it's very hard sometimes when you live beside busy roads, you know, we're, we're surrounded by busy roads, you know, out here we're surrounded by the, the, all the traffic coming in from Dublin on probably on three different sides, you know, mm-hmm. and then you've got the Dewishka Road. Every every bit of green land now is becoming a house 
housing estate. So there will be very little left, only a couple of playing fields and uh, Merlin Woods, mm. you know, mm. and whatever people, greenest green they have left in their estates. And even some developers are coming after the greens in the housing estate so that the kids won't even have greens. You know, they're saying, oh, you've got Merlin Woods, so we can build on this bit. You know, they just have no no value for the green space. And like we know, and then if you look at it from a wildlife point of view, you know, we can have Merlin Woods, but if we take away all the other green spaces around it, what you're doing is creating an island effect. And that basically uh, creates a weakness in the genetics of all the wildlife that live in Merlin Woods. And if they can't link in with other wildlife, you know, our squirrels would possibly die because of genetic mutations, because of inbreeding or whatever. So... You have to be wiser about your green spaces and your wildlife and your insects and your pollinators. You know, and the All Ireland mm -hmm. Pollinator Plan is great because it kind of promotes green spaces. And it's good to see there's a bit more awareness about it. But really, at the end of the day, for me, it's the habitats that have to be protected mm -hmm. because you, there's no point planting wildflowers on an area you've just dug up and you've destroyed everything else that was there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you. People need to understand about habitats. Yeah, and I think maybe, again, it's something you said, you know, in our lockdowns that we saw more and more people turn to nature because it was the one thing that that was available because everything yeah. else was closed down from them. And people got back into nature. We saw this huge reconnection, like it was like a resurrection of people discovering what was in their locality. Yeah. And that they'd lived there for 10 or 20 years and never realized that Merlin Woods was there or Nakma was there or the river was down beside them and it ran through their village. And it was the first time they visited. So in a way, it was something that was quite positive. And again, it's not just finding these places, but as you said, Caroline, it's educating people to how they can help support to keep their green spaces and to educate them. And I know that's something you're doing as well, because you've often brought kids from and gone into schools and everything as well and told, you know, the kids or educated them on why this is so important. It's not just because of the woods, you know, as you said, it's because of the wild animals and the wild flowers and everything that nature is giving us and that I think a lot of people have become and Andrea spoke about it earlier it's about going back to our ancestors and living with nature and respecting nature and how it's helping us people have kind of divided themselves from it haven't they oh god yeah like people you know go with that nature's over there but nature's all around you you know mm. whether it's your bit of nature you have in the garden or the house plant in your you know and the oxygen that we breathe you know it's all part of us and we rely on nature to keep us alive you know and that's what so, the you know, pollinators are feeding us you know they're creating they're helping to grow the food mm. you know so I don't I don't think people realize that if if nature collapses um that's us that's us finished gone that's us finished you know and it'll only take um, a collapse in one of the pyramids of nature for it to be over for us you know mm. and insects are very very much inclined and why what and what a lot of people don't realize is that insects are reliant on individual plants so one insect might be uh, might be reliant on a, a nettle you know like a butterfly certain butterflies are reliant on a nettle and if people chop all the nettles down butterfly is gone you know 
or different hoverflies, different flies, different bees, you know, all sorts of things are relying on different plants that are wild in nature, even some of the trees. And they're just being cleared left, right and centre in cities, you know, and then something from a non-native country comes in. And what people don't realise is that insects and plants and stuff have evolved together over time. It's taken millions of years to get where they are to create this symbiotic relationship that we just destroy in a minute to be to create a fashion, you know, for our gardens or put down our paving or, you know, or put up our plastic Christmas trees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some, you, know, you know, sometimes that's what's happening in gardens is the gardens are turned to plastic, which is microplastic then into your ground. So there's, there's a lot, you know, and I don't want to go on about it, but it's, to me, it's vital that we educate ourselves what's good for the environment and what's bad for the environment. And we'll have we still have people that are trying to make money on stuff that they're selling you and telling you it's good for the environment when it possibly isn't good for the environment at all. You know? mm. That leads me on, Carlin. And again, I always say it, you know, and the more that I have been on your walks, you know, is learning things that I never knew. I was never taught at school. And I think it's something that should be part of our education because it's our world, it's our environment, and it's probably the most important thing that we need to learn as a young person so we can grow up and do something about it to help, you know, keep our world a better place and safe and so that we can live on and our generations after us can lead on. So you, Caroline, um, created the Nature for Health, and this is part of how you're educating people. And... Um, I'm very lucky because Caroline has invited me along to a few of the groups to lead Mindful Walks and Talks and she has art therapy as well with Debbie and as we're walking along <laughs> we're looking at you know to see can we see the squirrel or looking up at the tree and we're looking at kind of the things that we know but then Caroline will point out something that none of us would have ever seen and educating on us and what it is and it could be a little what looks like a um, a candle what's that thing that grows in the candle, tree candle snuff, fungus yeah. and she's telling us about it and where it grows and we're going how did you even see that but caroline would say it's years and years of exploring the woods and learning isn't it caroline about what it was and noticing yeah it's, it's just about noticing it's really like as i always say to the groups that are on it is you don't need to know the names you just need to know it's there and you need to know that it's valuable there, yeah. you know, even the non-native stuff, you know, can, you know, it might be, it might be flowering and it might have some value at least, you know, mm. but it's just to notice what's there, find out what they're good for. And then you can ask more questions of different experts and stuff, you know, there's so much stuff available through Facebook now to find out more information. What is it? You know, there's different groups. If you take a picture of a flower, you can find out by the evening what, what, what it is, you know. Mm. Years ago, you'd have to go off and buy the book, you know. Whereas now you can post it up and someone will give you the, the answer. And, and like a really good way for to understand nature is to kind of maybe start with flowers. Mm. Because what it does is it brings you down to the ground, get the photograph. And then you might see the beetles or the other stuff, you know. And it's very interesting when you see people that have kind of started photographing stuff and finding out things. And they might have been people that were afraid of spiders and all this kind of stuff. 
And you can see them going, well, I stood there and watched the spider now and I didn't jump, you know, or I didn't uh, back away from it. You know, so they yeah. start to have much more respect for what they're seeing or, or watching the behavior of it. So, and it slows people down. Yeah. You know what they do, because what we were finding was we were watching people, you know, I always remember going up the main path one day and this woman said, I heard there was a castle in there. And she said, I've been walking up and down the main path for years. And I said, well, if you've been walking up and down the main path, you would have seen the castle into the right, you know, through the trees. But she'd never seen it. Wow. You know, never seen it because she was just walking so fast, headphones in, head down or whatever she was doing, just getting her steps in. And great, yeah, get your heart rate going, all that kind of stuff's important. But uh, you could Look do around. You may as well be out on the road, you know, doing your run or whatever. Mm. Which is, I suppose you're, in, you're getting healthy oxygen, I suppose, which is a good thing. Yeah. But it is important to notice things, you know, and to see, yeah. see the value. Because quite often you'll see people going, oh, there's nothing in there. Mm. And I like that it kind of brings us back to what Andrea said again about being curious, you know, and wanting to find out about our environment, wanting to find out about our surroundings, our local community, connect with local community. So you, this creation of yours, which is fabulous, is Nature for Health, Caroline. So can you tell people a little bit more about it and why you created it? Well, I was chatting at a, at a meeting with Healthy Galway a few years back and I was going, I'd love to do a walk or to lead walks where I teach people about biodiversity and help them to understand. Because I believe if, if you can show them and if you can get them to love the place they live, they'll have they'll be much happier themselves mm. they'll be much happier about where they live but they'll also fight a bit harder to protect that space that's in it you know and and I do say that to people you know I said there's no point trying to protect the place you live after you hear about the development you need to stand up now and find out what's so good about your space before the developers come mm. because it'll be too late then you know because that's quite often what happens so make that place important now and make people love it now. And it and doing that as well, it makes it, it makes less vandalism, I think, as well. You know, in an urban woodland for us, we've got a lot of vandalism, but a lot of that has um, decreased over the years as well. So I do think um, all the positive stuff really has an effect and an effect on the people that live there, you know, many years. Many years ago, people would never say, oh, I live near Merlin Wood. Now they do, you know. They're proud of it. They're proud of it, yeah. Mm. Because they feel it has something there now, you know. Yeah. And I think it has. And so, again, with Nature for Health, I feel like it's, you know, on the walks that I've been on with you doing the mindfulness. Again, it's the diversity of people from all different areas, different countries that are now living there. And one lady stood out to me. We spoke about her afterwards. She was from Africa. And she said where she used to live, um, there was woodlands behind her. And now she's living in oh, yeah. Edith, wasn't that her name? And yeah, she's yeah. looking out. And every time she looks onto Merlin Woods, it reminds of her home in Africa. And she takes a walk every morning in the woods to connect to her home here and her home in Africa. Absolutely. I just thought that was amazing. And oh, it powerful. was. And it's the same. I have a friend from Poland, Isabella, and it's the same thing. The woods are so important to her, you know, and even when she goes back to Poland, she sends me pictures of her 
forest. Oh, isn't that <laughs> you know, she says, this is my forest. Oh. You know, when she's visiting her family or whatever, but um, you know, she they, she loves the woods as well. Woods is something I think that brings you back to something you hold deep in your heart. You know, mm. and I don't know. I find it very good as a place myself, just to walk. Even today, you know, I've been busy over the last few months mm. and today I went for a walk with the dog and I thought oh my god I can just have a few hours now where I don't have to do anything yeah, but just, just enjoy just enjoy the woods and I'm not leading anyone I'm just mm. walking I'm exploring and mm. revisiting areas I haven't been to for ages and seeing what's new what's changed there has trees fallen you know yeah you know what's there what's changed you know yeah. And again, that's very important, even though you're doing such beautiful work, you know, in the walks, but that you also have to value your own time and give yourself that space, Caroline. So if people wanted to get involved and take part in the Nature for Health, um, how can they go about that next year? In the new uh, year, Well, I'm say? not sure what will be happening with Nature for Health, but I do know there'll be one for sure in the county. Um, and that will be if they keep an eye on the Healthy County Galway, Facebook page, there'll be one, but I know Galway County is large, but they can get involved, and hopefully there'll be more in the city. Yeah. Um, but nothing um, planned yet. But in the new year, we'll probably be working on that. And mm. um, there's also with friends of Murder Woods, there's loads of stuff that goes on as well, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of voluntary work we do. So the stone wall building will be coming up again, hopefully next year, and that's been really good. You know, and that's about restoring. So Merlin is, is not also important for wildlife. It's also very important for um, heritage as well. You know, it's castles and it's stone walls. So we look at restoring that. So we use a lot of uh, old traditional crafts to kind of revitalize them, keep them alive, keep the culture alive. You know, it's very much about uh, the story, trying to keep the, the, sto- the story alive of Merlin. You know, mm. it was a place that people lived in before before we all moved in into these estates. So uh, people love those stories. They love to know what a place was before, mm. before they came here. You know, people are strangers or mm. they've just moved to an area. And, you know, and then through the nature of our health, when we've done the history parts of some of them, or, you know, if I've done it out in, Go- in Cool or gone to court, you know, when you talk to, you get somebody along there to tell a little bit about the history of the place. People just love it. They love to know what it is. It gives them the sense of place. If, if It's grounding them. That you're not just in an empty housing, it's new housing estate. That beneath their feet and are all around them, life has gone on for centuries before them. And that they're feeding into this and that they're the next protectors of this area. You know, so no matter where you are, you might be new and I do recommend people get involved with communities and community groups and don't be afraid to get into community groups because they're so important it's where you make some of the best friends the best people are you know they're just out there helping people and they love they love having new people and you don't have to know anything you just have to go there and offer your help and it'll you'll get so so much reward from it you know so people should never feel feel lonely in this life they should go and look for community groups and if that community group doesn't suit you then go to an, the next community group or 
you know, what is your interest? And even if you're not interested in it, just try something. Never be alone. Lovely. So that's Friends of Merlin Woods that you can find on Facebook as well. And um, it's also the Jewishka Roskam Ard Resource Centre, Caroline, is that right? The Ard Family Resource Centre, a lot of stuff going on there as well. Yeah. Um, Band Task Force and there other another group. You know, there's all sorts of stuff going on in those communities. Merlin Woods Football Club, you know, people they're looking for coaches. So there's all sorts of stuff going on in these communities. And like even through say organizations like the Galway City Community Network, you can find out if you know if in this if you're in the city of Galway and you're listening in or whatever. But up and down the country, you know, there's just so many brilliant groups. You know, and it's um, there's something there for everyone, you know, even if it's tidy towns or whatever, you know, yeah. and it, and just because they're not doing something that you would like to do doesn't mean that you can't inspire them to do something new mm. or something. In a, you can maybe help groups innovate, you know, with ideas you have yourself. Mm. You know, I mean, that's all we do a lot of the time in Friends of Merlin Woods is we go, let's try this idea. You know, whether it's drama or whether it's mm. an event, you know, the heart of winter we tried a few years ago. We said, let's just put on this event where we make recycled feeders and feed the birds and play a bit of music, you know, and it's a Christmas, a Christmas event to bring people together because we were very conscious that some people mightn't, so, mightn't um, celebrate yeah. Christmas. It might be just a holiday. And we thought, well, how do we mark the end of the year and welcome into the new year? We do the heart of winter. And we'll do it with recycled bird feeders. And that's people giving back to nature, using sustainable recycled goods so they're not harming or buying products to put up in these outdoors. And they're also meeting people in their community. You know, and over the years, we've had all sorts of people performing or singing. And we had a great time this year, you know, with schools and local resource centre, gardening groups, women's circle. You know, different people from different countries just randomly singing a song at the roundabout, you know, where we put the in the in, in the woods. We call it the roundabout. It's actually a roundabout of trees, not cars <laughs> or, or, or traffic lights. It's a roundabout of trees, the natural way. <laughs> and I love that. I don't, I don't have to ask you, Caroline, probably that's probably I don't have to ask you what the heart of winter means to you because you've just described it. And again, it's about community and giving back to nature. And I think it's very powerful, you know, and again, what you can and something else. Yeah, there's loads of things you said there as well. No more than Andrea, you know, I'm always taking things from my guests and I'm going, oh, that's really powerful. That's really powerful. So I've had three of you tonight. So my mind is kind of like flooded with all these fabulous ideas. Mm -hmm but that maybe a group in your area isn't something that you think you'd like to get involved in, but that you can get involved in and maybe come in with your own ideas and inspirations and share the knowledge. Cause that's what it's always about sharing your ideas and your knowledge. And maybe you can add to that group and maybe it's just to connect with people once a week so that you don't feel like alone, especially because there's so many people moving from all parts of the country and of the world now. And maybe again, we can encourage people to come out and join our groups. So I would say on that note, wherever you live and you're listening to this podcast, if you know of groups in your area, community groups, nature groups, whatever kind of groups, drama groups, whatever it is, music groups, keep sharing it. 
so that your connections see that there is loads of things that you can get involved in and that you don't have to be on your own. It does help you develop your confidence and your self-belief. You know, it gets you interested in other people and it gets you out of your head and out into nature and out into the world and helping and supporting and encouraging others. So I think that's really important what Caroline has said there. And again, I'm going to be putting up some links in the show notes that you can check them all out. You mightn't remember them throughout, but I will share them in the show notes and you can contact, you know, me for any more details if you need them. Um, Caroline, I know we've probably gone over time, but Caroline is also still singing her beautiful heart out. But again, there's one song that always sticks. Well, I'm not, I was going to play another one, actually. Oh, what song are you going to sing? Uh, one that I can play. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, Caroline wrote another song and she's not going to sing that, but that's all right. She might play it again for me. So we give you over to Caroline. Yeah. And now. just to say to people. Huh? Yeah. Uh, just to say as well um, to people that a very good way of getting involved in things is just as maybe it's also join walking groups because you're not committing to anything only going for a walk and you meet a lot of people. So this song is called Someone Somewhere. And hopefully I can remember how to play it. Sometimes it feels bad And you're wishing the good times It will last forever But in the bad you'd ask yourself Why? But in the bad you'd ask yourself Why? I'm a citizen of life And I'm living it Up, down, and up Wonder how people survive it at all. Oh, there are times I wish I'd like to step out, but it's true what I like. Love those that surround me with tales of joy, tales of the journeys they And if you find yourself in a downward spiral, remember you are not on your own. And if you find yourself in this way of thinking, remember you are not on your own. Just hold your hand out and reach to the stars and hold it, hold it, cause you are more than you know, more than you know now, someone, somewhere is you know 
Carolyn and I love that because somebody somewhere is thinking of you and I think that's just a beautiful sentiment to leave because again you know and I think around this time people do find it hard and especially if they're on their own that you know maybe hard, yeah, yeah people are and it is you know and I don't say that lightly and it's not about bringing anybody down but I can tell you, and I promise you this, especially from my work, there are many people out here who dread this time of year and the sadness and the darkness, and they just want to hide away and lock themselves away. But at the same time, what they really want is someone to come and say, are you OK? So that song is somebody somewhere is thinking of you. I think that's why it's very valuable, yeah. not only to you, but to people within your community you know, that's why we talk about communities or families. If you don't... are so important when you have no um, family to... Re- you know, some people don't have the family to rely on. Mm. So, you know, there's, it's great that there is this stuff that goes on Christmas Day as well, Christmas walks, Christmas swims, mm. because it, you don't have to be on your own for, for a couple of hours, because some people are on their own all day Christmas Day for whatever reason. Mm. And sometimes you can just get out and meet people or just say to people, you want to go for a walk you know don't you don't have to be on your own you know I always make sure that people I know that might be on their own are not on their own that day or I check with them to see if they're on their own or whatever or if they have somewhere to go on that day because no matter how happy you are (laughs) it can be very lonely if you are on your own on the day absolutely so that's a lovely I love that song Carolyn as well and you wrote that one as well and you can now play it on the guitar so mm-hmm. yeah and I laugh that because you won't play the other one because you're not no because I haven't practiced the, the other one on guitar <laughs> for years <laughs> you can play that again another time we might get you all to sing a song at the end thank you Caroline for sharing all of that as I said these are only snippets of Simon Caroline and Andrea because we're all great talkers and we could talk just as you know myself and each of them for an hour and a half and longer if we wanted to and if we had time but I wanted to give you a snippet of um some of my family and as you all and again I've shared and I've written my book we didn't have you know the perfect family because people look out there and they want the perfect Christmas and the perfect family and the perfect lives we didn't have that and somehow within us we found our spark and we let it shine a little bit brighter, not because our past dulled it, because we wanted to create a different life for ourselves. And that's why I'm always talking about choices and creating choices for yourself, where you live, in your work, in where you you know want to explore and maybe go down another avenue and try something different that you're never too old. You know, Just because you do this doesn't mean you can't do something else. So because of our past, I wanted to bring on Caroline, Andrea and Simon to celebrate their lives. Because again, as I said, I am older than them. I'm so much wiser, but But I wanted to share that no matter where you are right now, things can change for you. It doesn't matter what your background was, you can change and create different choices for yourself. It doesn't always have to be 
this shining, you know, perfect life because nobody has that. That's only what you see on Instagram, social media. Illusions. Illusions. So, you know, and we can create those illusions and we can compare ourselves to others and that we're not good enough. You are absolutely amazing as you are. You're alive, you're here, you're well. It doesn't matter whether you celebrate Christmas or not, or if you don't have all the trimmings or not, it doesn't make a difference. Listen to what each of us have said tonight. And if you can find one thing, I can find lots of things. Like Andrea's word is staying curious. I just think that's, you know, we need to stay curious no matter what age we are. Caroline is connect to community. You know, get involved in your community, get involved in doing or helping and encouraging. You've so much to offer. You really have. And with Simon's, it was he started in one place and then he led himself to another place and he's still growing and developing, you know, and a baby on the way. He certainly is still developing, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I mean. And here you are, you know, with sharing amazing stories that. If you and we're four individuals just because we were brought up in the same family and it was cracked and crazy and dysfunctional, we found a path to happiness within ourselves. And I think, you know, if you can look at each other and say, I'm so proud of you or I admire you for where you've gone in your life and be that encourager, not just for your family, but also for people around you and to maybe not judge other people you know, where they're coming from, because they have a lot to offer. They just need a little bit of encouragement. That's another thing Caroline said. Smile, listen to people, give them a little bit of encouragement, show them that you are willing to listen. And that's hugely important for all of us, no matter what time of the year it is. So before we finish, I'm hoping that they'll sing a song together. I don't think we'll be able to win a time lapse. <laughs> oh, sorry, time lapse. Yeah. Oh, there is. All right. Well, we might have a final word from each of you. But the last few prizes that I want to share with you, again, amazing prizes, is Laura MacDonald um, finding your voice in episode 19 of my podcast. She's giving a four week pass to her yoga nindra meditation class, which starts again in January. And you can find Laura MacDonald on Instagram. Also, Finn Barmacue, um, international artist. He's from Galway. His episode 40 was Expressions of the Soul. He's also a highly intuitive um, reader and he works with people on an intuitive soul level, helping them. So he's giving a free reading to one of you lucky listeners and you can check out his beautiful artwork also. And then the amazing Peter Kelly, which was a guest on episode 36, and his was the truth of my journey. And you can find him at subconsciously conscious on Instagram. And I received um, his beautiful book, The Phoenix Birth. Talk about poetry and going on a deeper, deeper level of awareness. You would be blown away by it. So Peter is gifting one of our listeners a copy of his poetry book, The Phoenix Birth, but also a subconscious guidance session with him. And Peter shared his amazing story. He was one of my favorite guests, how, you know, his life completely changed. And you just have to hear it. And again, it goes to prove that anyone can change, that we create and make mistakes in our lives, but that we can change. And Peter is a real example of that and an amazing guy to go with it. So again, please do listen back over the Christmas to some of these episodes. So then the last gift is Natasha Pickup, who was again another guest on my podcast, and she has created her own coaching um, offer. 
So she's going to give you all the materials and a free call to review, you know, what you create. It's a challenge for coaches, basically, as well. So if you're interested in picking up that challenge from Natasha Pickup, you can find her on Instagram also. So they're all the amazing prizes that we're giving away in this episode. What you have to do if you want to be in with a chance to win is you have to share this podcast onto your stories, onto your pages, onto your feed, wherever you can share them and tag me on Instagram at Sharon Fitzmaurice underscore wellbeing. You can also tag the prize that you might like to win. There's no guarantee that you'll win it. It could be another prize but share as often as you can, as many times as you wish, and you will be put into the draw for one of those prizes, which I will be picking out probably the end of the first week of January so everyone can get a chance to listen because I know the next few days of Christmas might be very busy. So as I said, please do share. I hope that you enjoyed listening to my beautiful guests, Simon, Caroline and Andrea and that it has helped you in some way. And maybe if you are on your own on Christmas Day, you can listen to us and that you won't be alone and you're going to feel a connection with one of our stories or with all of our stories. So I'm going to get a last maybe message from each of the guests. So Simon, would you like to say something to the listeners? Uh, Well, thanks very much, Sharon, for having us on your podcast. It's been a pleasure and really nice listening to Andrea's and Caroline's stories and their Andrea's recital and Caroline's song. Beautiful. So all I want to say to everyone is happy Christmas and hello to, you know, our friends and family and my friends and that I haven't seen in a while. And I hope everyone has a lovely Christmas. And just to echo the words of Caroline, you know, don't be alone for Christmas because, even if you are alone, even if you have to use Zoom or a phone call, just call somebody and don't let those bad days bring you down. You know, just just try and enjoy it as best you can, even if you have nothing, you know, just enjoy it the best you can and reach out to somebody, you know, and have a happy Christmas, everybody. Thank you, Simon. And we want to send loads of love to you. And we know baby Kai is coming. So we're all so excited. Can't wait to see him and give big love to Alex, Cassie and David. And we wish you the best of Christmases. And we can't wait until we can come over and visit you and the new Baba. Lots of love, Simon. Thank you. Happy Christmas, y'all. Love you all. Andrea, would you like to say anything before we finish? Yeah, hi uh, to everyone that's listened to the podcast. Thank you for listening. And we hope that there was a few little nuggets of wisdom from such wise souls as us. We're all just in this together, aren't we? One big pot getting through. And um, wish you all a happiest of Christmas. And I hope that it's a fantastic new year and that 2022 brings you all that the happiness and the joy you desire. And uh, happy Christmas to all my siblings here with me. And it's been lovely sharing this space with you all and sharing this Christmas podcast. So thank you, Sharon, for bringing us all together. And everyone, Simon, yeah, we can't wait to meet the little Baba soon. And it's very exciting for you guys. Capricorn baby, <laughs> like his auntie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but anyway, um, have a great time, everyone. And thanks a million. And yeah, safe travels into the new year, everybody. Lovely, Andrea. Thank you so much. And big love and hugs to you. I know we'll see you not for Christmas Day, and that's okay, but we'll see you a few days afterwards and can't wait to see you all and give you big hugs and hope Santi brings nice things to you all. Thank you so much, Andrea. And Caroline, any last message for our listeners today? Uh, thanks for listening and 
hope we didn't bore you. <laughs> hope you got some good information or hope we were, uh, uh, I don't know, happy Christmas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm run out of words. Everyone said everything really. Yeah. Uh, and happy new year and get out and enjoy yourself. Get out in nature. Winter isn't that bad. <laughs> Billy Connolly said it. There's no such thing as bad weather. It's only bad clothing. And now we're exactly. not like years ago. We all have a warm jacket and a woolly hat and dirty yeah, we shoes. All have and Aldi. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, we might just sing, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Andrea would like to sing that even if there's a time lapse, who cares? We're not perfect. You would like row, row, row your boat with the time Sharon, lapse. Sharon, you can test your editing skills putting <laughs> it all together. I won't because I'm just going to put it out the way it is. No perfection. This is Sharon here, not Simon. <laughs> Mine will just be all over the place as it is. And sure, that's okay. So thank you again, everybody. I really appreciate your support. And thank you for listening. I know this podcast is a little bit longer than usual. But again, I hope that you learn something from my beautiful siblings, as I am always learning from them. And maybe a reminder to get in touch with your loved ones, your friends or family, and reach out to others. Say hello. Happy Christmas. Smile, even if you're behind the bloody mask. And you know what? Take it one step at a time. Love to you all. Keep sharing. Tag me on Instagram, Facebook, wherever. Be in with a chance to win one of these fabulous prizes. And thank you to all my guests. So here we are now. The Kelly clan are going to sing. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Who's we starting? wish you a Merry Christmas. We, we wish, wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings we bring to whoever's king. <laughs> we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Woohoo! Thank you, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.